0: Good morning, everybody. Mora, are you doing well? Good. I, I decided to wear my green floral because Booker is playing this afternoon. and This is the greenest I can go, Errol. <laughs> so, <laughs> just good enough. <laughs> but um, I, have, I have the privilege this morning of just introducing uh, a couple that impacted Shaveh and I many, for many years. In fact, I was thinking about it in the week, Errol. Um, the first time I officially met you, because I saw you all always at the church. Um, I started working at the office and I walked through, remember at the Century City? And I walked through, I remember walking right around and you had your little office in the corner there and I was so intimidated because this is such a well-groomed man. You know, I was so young, I think I was in my 20s or something and I I had to, you know, we had a chat and and I tell you, something that always impacted my life. I, I remember even from back then, it's just, um, it'll heart for the nation to see the kingdom of God come into the nation of South Africa, but then even beyond this nation. And so we, have, we are really privileged, but I have to say this, because behind every great man, there's a great woman. <laughs> so I started working in finances, and I was under this lady's supervision for a little bit. I don't even remember. I think you were on your way out, and I came in. I was the newbie in and so um, Arlene, Edel's wife, um, she's also a bookkeeper, finance uh, accountant. And so I learned quite a lot under her as well. And um, one of the things that Edel and I have in common, besides I think I've learned from you, <laughs> put on a nice shirt, and <laughs> is that Edel loves jazz. He loves jazz. So um, I remember... I didn't get invited, but I think it was Spider Gyro. I, I still hold you to that. I think it was Spider Gyro in, in town. You and Glenn went to the Grand West. I didn't get an invite. <laughs> I was too young. Yeah, I, I'm still scarred. <laughs> but I, I don't, I'm know i being silly here. Yeah. But um, we have an privilege and honor to have Edel and Arlene here today. So, without further ado, it will you come and share the word this morning? Thank you, Tim. <clears throat> Good morning, church. Good
1: morning. Father's Heart Fellowship. I love this name because Father, Father's House, yeah, not Father's Heart. Yes, my daughter's got a ministry called the Father's Heart Community Development. So, I love anything about the Father's Heart. Amen. So, yeah, it's, it's a great privilege for all and I to be here. And you're right, Timmy. Um, behind every man, there's a great woman. I can do nothing without my wife. And I don't want to do anything without my wife. <laughs> so, she's my, my best friend, my closest c- counselor, confidant, my editor, everything. We travel all over the world together. We travel all over the country together. We just come, we spent... Three and a half months in California. We just came back on the 3rd of August. My son is studying at the master's seminary in, in Los Angeles, and him and his wife, they had their first baby, our fourth grandchild, and we had to be there for that. We went up in April and, lived, and was there for about three and a half, and our fourth grandchild, Hannah Arlene Naidu, was born in Los Angeles, and we praise God for that. So, children are a blessing from the Lord. The Bible says that. Children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. But grandchildren, wow. (laughs) Tim and Shave, I want to tell you something. It's nothing like grandchildren. If you want to know how God loves you, once you have grandchildren, then you know how much God loves you. There is nothing, no greater blessing than grandchildren. My wife and I swear on this. <laughs> so our, our ministry is called Family Policy Institute. And it's called that, and we started this ministry. I was an associate pastor at East People Christian Church. And, and just had the burden that to deal with the issues that's happening in our country. To keep the church the body of Christ in South Africa informed about what is happening in our country. Most importantly, so that the church, and you understand who the church is. Eh? It's not this building. It is you. Every one of you are the church. The called out ones. The ecclesia. You're the church. And God has commanded that you be the salt and light in the nation that you love. Right? It's not a suggestion. It's a command of God. That you are the salt and light. And so in order for Christians in a country to fulfill their mandate to be salt and light, they need to know what is going on. Because I meet a lot of sincere Christians. They're sincere. And they're always... This is the thing they, that Christians tell me all over this country. We travel a lot all over South Africa. When I meet people, this is the thing they say to me. We're very concerned about what's happening in our nation. Pastor, oh, our nation is going to hell. Look at all the corruption and look at all the this and look at all the that. They're concerned about and I'm sure you are. It's the 101 things you can talk about that you're concerned about. And this is what they say. But we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. I always get that. And so our ministry... God called us to establish this ministry 15 years ago, Family Policy Institute, for that purpose, to inform and educate the body of Christ so that you can fulfill your biblical mandate to be salt and light in society. It's as simple as that. And so, Pastor Tim, if you don't mind, I'm going to preach on that this morning. Uh, Salt and light found in Matthew. You can go in your Bibles to Matthew Chapter five and verse thirteen matthew five verse thirteen and we're going to see from god 's word that salt and light is a commandment of Jesus Christ, our commander in chief his word yeah and so Again, Tim and Shove thank you for the invitation. It's really an honor and privilege for all and I to be here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I watch you guys on uh, Facebook. Timmy with his music and uh, whatever you guys are doing, we watch you, we plot you, we can see what you're doing on Facebook. So, <laughs> we know what's going on. So, Matthew 5... This is Jesus speaking to the crowd just after the Beatitudes. Um, And you know, the the last Beatitude uh, in Matthew 5 verse 10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. When you're standing up for the Lord and for what is righteous and you're persecuted for that, you are blessed by God. You don't have to take my word for it. It's in the Bible. Jesus said it. Amen. You can see it for yourself. You're blessed when you stand up for righteousness sake. If they call you bad names, if they persecute you, like we were in California for three and a half months and their Christians are being persecuted. They're losing their jobs. They are cancelled. They're hounded. If you stand up for what is right and you say, the Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman. Wow, if they can kill you and throw you in jail in America right now, in certain states like California, they would do it. We were there in June, in the month of June. Pride month. Wow. Wow. Do you want to see a nation that has gone to the devil almost completely? If you, when you see it with your own eyes, it is, and if you're a Christian, if you, if you're led by the Spirit of God and you're confronted with raw naked evil, your blood runs cold. When you see a nation falling to pieces. In, in Los Angeles, I'm just going to quickly talk about this in Los Angeles. Now, California is the wealthiest state in America. 50 states. California is the wealthiest. They got big techs there. Hollywood is there. The entertainment industry is there. They got billionaires and millionaires coming out of the woodwork there. If California is a state of America, but if it was a nation, if it was a country, it would be the sixth wealthiest country in the world. They got more money than the whole of Africa, the whole continent of Africa. They got the most people living on the streets. Think about that. They got the most homeless people. And when I say homeless people, they're people that living worse than animals. They live worse than dogs and cats. They're living in tents, in feces and urine on the streets, drugs. They walk around like zombies. They're full of sores. Nobody can touch them. Nobody does anything. There is thousands and thousands and thousands of these people all over Los Angeles. You drive in Hollywood. You all see Hollywood, the movies. You drive in Hollywood and then you see people living on the streets, living in filth. The millionaires, billionaires, the actors and they're living there. And the people are living like animals here. Same place. Billions. They have billions. Can't help them. They don't have God. They rejected God. They rejected his word. There's a scripture that uh, caught my attention years ago. Always wondered what what it was saying. In uh, Psalm 9. Psalm 9 verse 17. It says this. The wicked... Will be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell. Psalm 9, verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. That's a warning, right? I've seen it. I've seen it in California. I've seen it in Seattle. In Seattle, Washington. My wife and I were have two days on our way to Phoenix. We walked around at night in that place. It is so cold there. I mean, bone-chilling cold within January in, in winter. It's drizzling, and it's, we're not used to that kind of cold. There's young people like this sitting on the streets begging. For us coming from China, I, I hope you guys don't mind, white people here, but like living in apartheid, me growing up in a party. I go to a place like I see young white kids sitting on the street begging, sitting in ice cold. It's like my mind can't comprehend this. And then we find out why. They're all on drugs. And they come from wealthy homes, beautiful homes, well-to-do homes. But they're so on drugs, they're stealing and their the family kicks them out and they end up on the street. You know, to see that, to see any young person sitting on, you know, begging on the street, drug addicted, in freezing cold, it just does something to you. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Now we serve a God of love. Is, is it a God of love, compassion? He's a God of infinite mercy and grace. The Bible tells us that. But he's also a holy God. And he's a God of wrath. And he's a God of judgment. All at the same time. That's all God's attributes. And when God makes a command and say if you do this. You know there's so many promises in the Bible about. To those who fear the Lord. Just read it. Just go check it out. What the Bible says about people that fear the Lord. That those who love God and honor Him and honor His word and fear the Lord. Do you know how much blessings and benefits there are? It is incredible. The promises God has made. And you must remember God is not a man that he should lie. So when God makes a promise, that promise he stands, stands. And God says that the righteous... Will prosper. Their children will be blessed. They will be like trees planted by rivers of waters. That even when the drought comes, They will prosper. That's the promise of God. To the righteous. But then the same God. That promises these things. Same God says. But if you reject my laws. And if you reject me and my ways. God lays out what happens to people like that. Today, you can see it all over the world. You can actually see it. The people that reject God, never mind how popular, how famous, how wealthy they are and their nations. They are rotting away for one reason. They reject God and his word. That's what happens when you reject God. You can't get away with it. So if we come back to South Africa, our nation, we look at what's happening in South Africa. And when we travel overseas, people ask you about South Africa. What on earth is happening in South Africa? Our government is trying to steal all the money. They don't want to leave even a hundred of then left. The ANC guys, I think they must have got together at a meeting and say, let's try to steal Everything we can steal. And they're doing it. They're doing it. Yesterday we were were in the waterfront, went to the movies. It's a long queue outside, Gucci and Louis Vuitton. So, Oh, that's where our taxpayers' money is going to. You can see it. They're doing great work. But the corruption in South Africa is staggering. I mean, I'm making a joke, but it is serious, serious stuff. It's staggering. I think most of you don't know. Most of you don't really have a full understanding of what is happening to South Africa. But people that do know will tell you, economists and that will tell you, South Africa hasn't got long to go. At this rate, the economy is going to collapse completely. Because you cannot steal and destroy as much as the ANC government is doing and, and the nation still stands. Cannot happen. Never mind how wealthy a nation is. You cannot steal and and fraud at the scale this government is doing and the government and and the country still survive. It cannot. I'm just being honest, right? I'm telling you like it is because the work I do, I'm exposed to all these things and I see it and they're running everything into the ground. Everything. From our energy ESCOM to the water supply to you name it, everything is being destroyed. Do you know what Jesus said in, in John ten ten? The thief comes by nothing but to steal, to kill and destroy. That spirit is in our government. Steal, kill and destroy. That's what they're doing. Every single day. they're not governing. It's a criminal network. The ANC is a criminal network, like the Mafia. It's not a political... It's masquerading like a political party, but it's a criminal network. And they're stealing and stealing and frauding and doing just like the mafia does. They're doing exactly that. They don't care about anybody in this country. They're just enriching themselves. There's young people of 30 years old that were working at KFC one day, and then a few months later... Is worth 135 million through a fraudulent deal with his friend that's working in some department. Young guys just become millionaires. There's guys that became from nothing to billionaires. Forget millionaires. Taxpayers' money. Taxpayers' money. And of course, if all this money is going into all these people's pockets, they can't build roads, they can't the energy ESCOM, They can't fix anything. I mean, everything is falling apart. Potholes is turning into craters. Uh, 90% of South Africa's mun- municipalities is bankrupt already. 90%. And they not, there's no services. There's no services. Zero, like, I'm, I'm reading about Efequini, Durban. There's no services. The whole, the whole place is falling apart. Money is just being stolen at such a rate, it is staggering. The wicked shall be turning to hell and all the nations that forget God. My appeal here this morning to you, God's people, is don't allow this nation to forget God. And you know why I'm asking you and appealing to you? Because you're the only people that can do that. You see, the people that don't know God, they don't care. They, like I say, they're stealing, they're frauding, they're doing all kinds of things. They're following their base desires, their evil desires, because they don't know God. You that know God, you're born of His Spirit. Now you know the truth. You have the revelation of the truth. You cannot act like you don't know what's going on anymore. You don't have the option to do that. God will hold you responsible. If you live in this nation... And if you allow the devil to destroy this nation and you're standing there and you're watching it happen. Can you imagine one day when you stand in front of the Lord and he asks you, what have you done? Why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you speak? Why didn't you stand up to save this nation, to be salt and light? If you knew the truth, why didn't you speak it? What would you say? What would you say? In our country, we have the highest rate of teen pregnancies in the entire world. The highest rate in the entire world. We have a teen pregnancy crisis in this country. How many of you know about that? Really know about You know the numbers? You know what's going on? You know about comprehensive sexuality education in our schools? You know, that is supposed to teach our children to make good choices so they can make proper choices about their sexuality, they tell us. Our minister, N.J. Mochecha, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Do you know that too? Because while they're teaching comprehensive sexual education, because all it is is abortion and LGBT propaganda to children, the teen pregnancies are skyrocketing. We now have over half a million. In five years, over half a million teen pregnancies. In the ages 10 to 14, 10 years old to 14 years old, over 15,000 pregnancies in the schools. 10 years old. Children at 10 years old in our schools. You know, a lot of them is by the teachers in the schools. You know that too? I know I'm shocking you. This is not usually what you get from the pool. But, but you know something? God wants you to know this. Because if you're Christians and you're living in ignorance. While all this evil is happening around you. You're not effective. You can't be effective. Because firstly, what would you pray For your country, what would you pray into if you don't know what's going on? Because let me tell you why. The devil wants to keep you ignorant. Satan wants to keep you ignorant. As long as you're ignorant and you're happy with everything, um, you know, you're going along. You're not praying where you're supposed to be praying. You're not acting where you're supposed to be acting. Fine. You're on his side. When you're on God's side, you know what's going on. You're aware. You're praying and you're acting in accordance with God's will. You're doing God's will where you live. Now Jesus, in Matthew 5, 13 says, He's speaking to His disciples, so He's speaking to you. Jesus is addressing you and He says this. You are the salt of the earth. Right? So... The the language the Bible uses is very, very important. So Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. Which means, you are the salt of the earth. That's what it means. (laughs) He didn't say, you must try to be the salt of the earth. In the, in, in, the, you know, in the fullness of time, when the spirit comes on you and everything, then try to be the salt of the earth, my sister and my brethren. This is not that. This is Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. Now, if Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, then guess what? You are the salt of the earth. Because he speaks life and what Jesus says you are, you are. He defines you. The world doesn't define you. The government doesn't define you. No man defines you. No media personality defines you. Jesus defines you. And he says, you're the salt of the earth. And so you are. He didn't say, you can identify as the salt. (laughs) (laughs) You are the salt. And then he said, but if the salt... Loses its flavor, how then shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If The salt loses its flavor. Now, women, yeah, you know, what's the use of salt without flavor? Because salt flavors your food, right? It's a, it's a flavorant and it's a preservative. What are you going to do with salt that can't flavor? Put in your food, nothing happens. Put it on your chips, nothing happens. What are you going to do with that? You throw it out because it's good for nothing. So Jesus is asking, how many good for nothing Christians do we have here this morning? I see by show of ends. I see that end. I <laughs> know there's no end. Good for nothing. If you lose your flavor, you're good for nothing. To be thrown out. Do you know, I have seen this too. In the years I've been in this ministry, I've seen Christians or people that call themselves Christians, Christians by name, being trampled underfoot by men. Why? They compromise God's word. They're working and they they go along with government and policies. They support abortion, LGBT, and all these kind of things to be popular. And so they trampled underfoot by men. The governments use them. Organizations use them. They trampled underfoot. Why? Because they don't represent Jesus any longer. Because if you don't represent this word, all of it from Genesis 1 to Revelation twenty twenty two, If you don't represent all of this word all of the time, you have lost your saltiness. You have lost your saltiness. You're not representing Jesus. You see, you can't represent part of this word. The part you like. And reject the part you don't like. That's not an option. God doesn't give us that option. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but God doesn't give you that option. It's all of God's word or none of God's word. Jesus said this. "If you, Those who are for me. Are not against me. Those who are against me. Are not for me. Did I get that right? Yeah. So. If you not for Jesus 100%. Then automatically your default position. Is you are against him. How many of you want to be against Jesus Christ? <laughs> that is not a good position to be in. Because he's coming soon. He's coming soon to fetch his church. You better see that you are on his side. You don't want to be left here when he comes. But what he wants to find you doing when he does come is busy with his work, representing him. Being salt. And then he said, after he said, the salt, he said, you are the light of the world. Wow. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, it's making Jesus speaking, obviously the time when, when they had little homes and, and, and they had to light lanterns and candles and put it up. They didn't have the kind of lighting we had then. And he said, you are the light of the world. Every one of you, Jesus said so. And he wants you to shine your light. And he's making an example of, if you, you, you light a lantern and then you put a basket over it. What sense is that? Why would you hide the light? Why did you light it in the first place? Obviously, you needed to, and I mean, we, we understand today with, uh, Escom and load shedding. We're lighting lamps and putting it all over the place. Because we're staggering around in darkness with load shedding. Almost 10 hours a day now. But Jesus is saying, let your light so shine before men. In other words, salt is a preservative. Light dispels darkness. There's a lot of darkness in South Africa. Right at the moment, there's a lot of darkness everywhere. But God wants his people to be the light in those dark places. Okay, so how, how does darkness prevail in any nation, in any place, in any city? Darkness prevails when there's lies, when there's deception, when there's wickedness, when there's depravity. The more you have of that, the more dark it becomes. Amen. That's how darkness comes. But how do you dispel the darkness? Because darkness... What is darkness? Darkness is not... You can't switch on darkness. Right? Because it can be pitch dark in this building. You switch on one small little light, you'll see the light. You can't make it so dark that you can't see the light. The light will always pierce the darkness. Amen? So that's what you are. The Bible tells us that Jesus... Is the light of the world? He is the great light of the world. The world was in darkness and on its way to hell, and God sent His Son, who died on the cross of Calvary, who was in a grave for three days, who God raised after three days to be the Savior, the Messiah of every person, every human being on earth. He is the light of the world, He is the revelation. Of God in heaven. That's what the Bible tells us. Now we are the little lights. If you're born of the spirit of God. You then become a little light. The great light. You're a reflection of that great light. So you are a little light. In other words you're a (laughs) lighty. In the children's church they sing. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. That's exactly what it is. You are little lights and you reflect. You, you don't have light of your own. You can't make your own light. You have no light. We have no light. We are sinners. We are corrupt. God saved us. And he gave us his life and he gave us his spirit. He transformed our lives. So we use the light and the saltiness that God has given us through his word to be salt and light in society. And the reason South Africa is in such dire problems today. Is because there's not enough light and not enough salt being applied to society. From our government, to our schools, to our health department, even in our churches. Not enough light, not, no salt, no light. The church is silent. There's another very, very popular question I get all the time. Pastor why is the church so silent? Why aren't they talking and speaking up? We've got thousands of churches in South Africa. Somebody estimated about 36,000 churches. You can go anywhere in South Africa. Any little dorpy. On a dirt road you ride through somewhere there, you'll see a little village and there's a church. There's a church everywhere. But, If you've got so many churches and so many Christians, why does our nation look like hell? Can somebody answer that question? I mean, if you look at some of the churches in our country, and I've visited, i preach at some churches in Joburg and Pretoria. Thousands of people. On a Sunday, they need the traffic department to come in just to guide traffic. Like in Pretoria, some of those churches come out. 10,000 people, 15,000 people come out of those churches. Huge churches. So here's the question. Where are all those Christians? Where are they? When you look at South Africa and all the wickedness and the darkness, we, we, the prostitution, they, they want to legalize, our government wants to legalize prostitution, including the pimps. And the brothel, they're all going to become legal businessmen. They have a bill called the single marriage bill that is going to redefine marriage in South Africa. Can you imagine that? Marriage that always, that God created. God created marriage. He created a man and a woman. And he brought that man and that woman together in marriage. And he blessed the first union God blessed on earth before there was anything else. There was no church, there was no government, there was no nothing. God, a man and a woman. And God brought them together, he married them and he blessed that union and that union became the cornerstone institution of civilization. All of civilization is built on marriage and the family. The most important institution, the most sacred institution on earth to this day, because God says so, is marriage and family. And everything is built on marriage. So you see now, as marriages fall apart, your society is falling apart. Everything is falling apart. Families are breaking up. And everything is going wrong. The governments throw billions and billions into trying to solve these problems. The more money they throw, the worse it gets. Why? Because God created marriage between a man and a woman. Most important institution. That's what the Bible keeps on. Repeatedly says, husbands, love your wives, honor your wives, love your wives, live with them in in, in understanding as Christ loves the church. So for a man, the most important thing you can do under God to honor God is to love your wife and honor your wife and treat her like a queen. This is the word of the Lord. Don't look at me like that. It's the word of the Lord. No man can tell me that he's serving God and he loves God and he honors God when he doesn't honor and love his wife. I won't believe him. In fact, I can tell him in his face you're a liar. You don't love God and you don't honor God. Never mind how much you will protest. I want to see how you love God and honor God. I'm going to see it by the way you take care of your wife. Uh, you know, when a man loves his wife and honors her as Christ loves the church, because the Bible tells us how we must do it. We ask, Lord, how must I love my wife? You say, love your wife. How must I do it as Christ loves the church? But then how did Christ love the church? He gave his life for his church. He gave his life, he sacrificed his life for his church and he washes his church with his word. He cleanses and purifies with the word. Husbands are supposed to love their wives and speak the word of God and, and, and purify their, their wives and build them up with their words. Not, you didn't make my eggs right this morning, woman! <laughs> Your words are so important to your wife. Love your wife. You know why? Because it shows in a woman's face. Do you know that? When a woman is loved and taken care by her husband, not neglected, you can see it in her face. You can. That's why God put our face in the front of our heads. We can't hide it. Love your wives is the most important thing a man can do. Similarly. A wife, love her husband, honor her husband, respect her husband, submit to her husband. Now, women go, ooh, when you say, submit, you use that word, submit, Whoa, It's difficult. But yet, it's the word of the Lord. And the Bible actually says in Ephesians 5, that wives submit to your husband, your own husband, as unto the Lord. So in other words, if you're not submitting to your husband, you're not submitting to the Lord. You can come to church and hallelujah and praise the year and all of that. If you're not submitting to your husband, you're not submitting. The, the Lord is not listening to you. You're in rebellion to him. Yeah. I learned that. Do you know how many years ago? 30 years ago. 30 years ago, we got married in 1987, 85, sorry, 85, now I know my anniversary, 12th of December, I spell my wife every 12th of December, will be our 38th wedding anniversary this December, 38 years, we, were to get, we went out for 7 years, we married, we'll be married 38 years so we're together 45 years. Long time ago. We met, met, met when we were 17 in a nightclub. <laughs> no how. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Domene we Padre. We were not saved that time. My wife got saved first, six years before me. I was running around in nightclubs. Love jazz. Wine, woman, and song. That was my thing. And then my, wife, my marriage collapsed. And God had to show me that if I continued in this way, I would end up in the gutter. An alcoholic in a gutter and probably die. My family will be taken away. God had to show me that. And that's how I got saved. At East People Christian Church at the Baxter. 10th of July, 1994. And God taught me about marriage and family. God taught me, not man. That's why I fight for those institutions today, marriage and family, because I know our entire society is foundation on marriage and family. You can't build a strong, stable society. if Marriage and family is falling apart. That's why it's so important for men and women to take care of their marriages and to raise their children in the admonition of the Lord, in the instruction of the Lord. But how do you do that, men and women? It's not just teaching them. It's a modeling it. Example, your children must see you love and serve God. Your children must see your lifestyle so they will follow it. It's no use just teaching them, well, the scriptures say this and the scriptures say that. But your life is not demonstrating that. We thank God. My wife and I, we thank God that we... Learned the Bible and we walked. And the grace of God today is that our children are all serving the Lord and our grandchildren. They're doing amazing things for the Lord. That's the grace of God. Not because of us, but we did our part. We obeyed God's word. And we walked and taught them. And the most important thing our children need to see is mom and dad loving each other. I ask men this. When I speak at men's conferences, I ask them, what's the greatest gift you can give your children? Say education and this and that. No, no, no. Love their mother. It's the greatest gift you can give your children. Love their mother and let your children see you love their mother. You love each other. That's how you create a stable, loving environment for your children. And that's the best place for children to grow up in—a loving, stable environment. It's not about money. You can be poor. You can have little. But when you get love and stability, that children is growing up strong. Because you must see some of the homes, the rich homes, the wealthy homes. You must see these children. I just told you about what's happening in Los Angeles. A lot of rich kids coming out of good, wealthy homes, lying, dying on the street. Money won't help you. Money can't help you. Only thing that can help you. this only thing that can help you. That's it. It's God's word. And obeying this word. Being salt and light in our nation, this is your responsibility, your duty to God. To not just speak. You know, be a, a lot of Christians like Christian news, Hallelujah, praise God, my brother. Yes, yeah, oh, the Lord is good. Rabba Shanda and all those kind of things. That's all you hear. But what good is that? God never called us to speak Christian and sound like a very spiritual person to impress others. You know why? Because you can't impress God. You can speak all these things, you can come to church, you can do the Pentecostal hop and hallelujah and all this kind of thing. It does not impress God. Do you know what impresses God? The Bible tells us, you don't have to take my word for it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is simply put, believing God and then acting on it. Because in James chapter 2, James tells us, let me see your faith and I'll show you my works. Why? Because my faith is proven by my corresponding action. Because if I say I believe God and I have faith in God, then I am going to act accordingly. I'm not just going to say I believe God and the Lord is my, this and, and then, but there's no action. There's nothing to show or demonstrate. Right? So I say I honor God. My whole life, I I strive to honor God and his word. And the first place I do that is in my marriage. So I love my wife and I take care of my wife and I spoil her. And whatever she wants, I give her foot massages and the whole caboodle. Whenever she wants it. And if she sees something and she likes it, then it's my duty to get it for her. She's my wife. God gave her to me. The Bible says when you get a wife, you get a good thing. I'm not worried about anybody else's wives. Not my duty, not my responsibility. God gave me this woman. And he's watching me how I take care of this woman that he gave me. So I do my best for this woman. I sacrifice for her. I love her. You can ask her yourself. (laughs) I make sure that she's smiling and she's happy every day. If her face is a bit down, what's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong? Please. Oh, the, Lord <laughs> the Lord is watching. And the Lord is watching. You know what? I've got a ministry that honors marriage and family. Can you imagine if I have a ministry that of marriage and family at all over the country and all over the world. And I'm not taking care of my own marriage and family. Can you imagine? Do you think God will honor that? He won't. And I know that. You see, you can deceive people. But never God. You better see that what you say. What you confess with your mouth. You're living it. Because God sees it. And if you are lying to God's people. Saying one thing and doing another. God knows it. You will take his hand off you and you fall on your face. Do you know how many men of God with big churches and ministry have fallen, crashed and burned because of that very thing? As they were standing in the pulpit and saying, wow, well, you know, hallelujah, praise God and all these kind of things. That they, things weren't right in their life and God knew it and then everything crashed. God will not honor deception, lies and... Treachery. So I'm a man, I'm a husband, and I'm a father, and I'm a grandfather. I know my most important responsibility on this earth is to honor God, love my wife, and honor my children. Raise my children and be there for them and teach them, be a godly example to them and teach them God's word. Pray for them every day. That is my most important responsibility. Then everything else comes. My ministry don't come in front of my, uh, come before my wife and my children. My wife and my children first, then the ministry, and then everything else. Nobody, nobody, nothing takes their place. Men, not the boka, <laughs> not anything. Your wife first, your children, and then everything else priority. God gave us priorities. Now that's being salt and light. I believe that if the men in this nation would begin to honor their wives, honor God, honor their wives, their children, and be the salt and light that God has called us to be, this nation will change. You know what the Bible says? That judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Judgment begins with us. And you know, God is sovereign. God's got all the power. God can change South Africa like this. Because God is God. Right? The ANC can't win. Right? God is God. And God has his people right here in South Africa. It's his people. His church is here. Christ is the head. We are the body. The body of Christ. And we here, we have the authority of God, we have the power of God, we've got prayer, we've got the Holy Spirit, we've got all of these things. And Christians are cowering in their homes, oh, we can't go out, it's too dangerous. And What's wrong here? We look like we're the weak ones and they're the powerful ones. When that's not what the Bible says. We have the authority and the power of God. Prayer, we can pray, and we can change things by prayer. But when we walk in the power of God, in, in obedience to his word, we can see, we can make this nation change. We can bring change to this nation. But we're not doing it, and mostly because Christians don't know the authority in Jesus Christ. Christians don't know the authority in Jesus Christ. They don't know the power they have within them to change a nation, because the God... In heaven, who created heaven, the heavens and the earth, and this everything belongs to him. He's given us the authority and the power to bring about change. To change people. Well, we don't change them. We are instruments of God. We speak the word of God. And God does the transforming. But there's things that we need to do. And because we're not doing what we, we, we should be doing, we have the kind of situation we have in South Africa today. It's getting darker, it's getting worse. I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking doom and gloom here. I'm just giving you honestly what is happening. If I should start really telling you the things I see and I know of, you're not going to sleep for a week. So I'm going to spare you. All I can tell you that is the devil is at work in South Africa. Everywhere. Destroying. It's going for marriages and families. Now, there's redefinition of marriage. The redefining marriage so marriage won't be the union of a man and a woman any, long, any longer. Currently, the Marriage Act of 1961, under which we get married and we married couples, says marriage is a man and a woman, husband and wife. They, just, they, they can abolish that. And they're going to have one law that says marriage is a man and a man, a woman and a woman, a man and a woman, and transgender. That is marriage. Which means marriage officers won't be able to say no to two men or two women or transgenders to marry them because it's all one marriage. It's one. Secondly, secondly, in that marriage law, the polygamous marriage clause allows a man to have several wives, but it also allows a woman to have several husbands. Right? Now, it doesn't end there. But a woman can get married to two men and three women. And a man can get married to two women and three men. <clears throat> That's called polyamory. It's group marriage. Very popular in Europe at the moment. And it's going to come here and going can be legalized here. The LGBT movement has been fighting for this. The UNESCO, the UN agencies, they've been pushing and influencing and demanding it here. And the ANC, saying, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, the ANC government says we need African solutions for African problems. And they're importing all this filth and garbage from overseas into our country, including comprehensive sexuality education. It's not from here. International Planned Parenthood Federation and LGBT groups have devised this to pervert the minds of our children in the schools, to bypass the parents, go past you and into your children and tell them, experiment with this, experiment with same-sex, and try this, try that, and it's all okay. It's your right. They're working on a law at the United Nations that children have the right to have sex with whoever they want to from age 10, and parents have no right to interfere in that. If any parent tried to stop a child, From sexual pleasure, which is their right, their human right, that parent will be prosecuted. You think I'm joking? That's coming to our country. They're busy with it now. You know what the Department of Education is busy with now? Um, Radical gender ideology where they're going to have gender-neutral bathrooms, gender-neutral uniforms. And they might even um, abolish gender pronouns. So in other words, you mustn't call him and her and his and him. And, so it, it, it must be genderless. Sexual orientation and gender identity. Uh, the Western Cape DA government is pushing it now in our Western Cape schools. Soji, sexual orientation, gender identity. All of this is coming into our nation. And look where it's coming. They're targeting the children. Bypass the parents. Go straight for the children. Who do you think is behind that? You see the hand of Satan in this? Why? Because God tells the parent. Or God tells the father. Fathers. Raise your children. In the instruction of the Lord. God gives that command to to fathers. Along with the mothers. But the extraction of God is to the fathers. It's your responsibility to see that you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord. What is our schools doing? What is our governments going past the fathers and the mothers right to the children? Indoctrinate them with some of the worst perversions ever. Destroy their minds and take them away from the Lord. It's happening right now in our country. What is the church doing about it? I see you all asking. Thanks for asking, by the way. What is the church doing about this? Because we've got a lot of big churches and we have a lot of big high-profile pastors and you see them on TV and you see them here and they see them. You know what they're doing about it? Nothing. They're not even... Never ask government, we want to meet with you about this. There's no outcry about redefining marriage, taking marriage away, because you know what this law is going to do? It's going to strip men and women of this unique definition of marriage between a man and a woman. It's going to take that away from you. And why are they doing that? Because the homosexuals want it. Now homosexuals are less than 2% of our population. So they're going to take this away from the majority of our population, 98%. They're going to strip you of your right of marriage to please less than 10%. And how many homosexuals get married? Same-sex marriage. not marriage. It's counterfeit. But how many of them do? Just a few. Yet they're going to take out marriage because of this. Our government. Why? There's money behind it. Lots of money behind it. There's billionaires. Heard of George Soros and all these people? They're pumping millions of dollars into South Africa for comprehensive sexuality education. For redefining marriage. For this, for that. And what is our church doing? We're having conferences. Big conferences. How to make money. How to be rich and wealthy. To drive a Rolls Royce like the pastor. Just give to us. Give to my ministry and you will be healthy and wealthy. And you will wear Louis Vuitton and Gucci. Most of our churches, big churches, it's all about money and wealth and health and prosperity. The nation is going to hell in a handbasket. All they're talking about is how you can be healthy and wealthy. You think that's the word of the Lord? You think God, this is the spirit of God is telling Christians, don't worry about all this. It's happening with the children in the schools and the teen pregnancies and the marriage being destroyed. That's not important. All God is worried about is your health and your wealth. You want Gucci shoes, my brother? I'll tell you how, how to do it. You see, there's so much deception in the church at the moment. With all this prosperity and the rubbish they're teaching, there's a lack of the word of God. There's a lack of the light of God. And because there's a lack of the word and the light, because the word of God brings light, and because they're not preaching the true word of God, and there's a lack of it, we have so much darkness. And there are churches, there's whole denominations in our country that's in with the ANC. Helping them with the CSE. I know what I'm talking about. I've been to the meetings. I've been involved in everything they with the NC government because they're getting something. So they're quiet and they're going along with everything. They're even standing up and promoting comprehensive sexuality education. It's good for our children, saith the Lord. Yeah, look, they're they, they pastors and they reverends and they're bishops and they whatever, right? So if they say... Comprehensive sexuality is helping our children and it's helping them make good choices about their sexuality. So, if a man stands up as a reverend and he says, People believe that because of who he is. But the question is, is he telling the truth? No, he isn't. Because we went through comprehensive and we know what is in it. So, why is he saying it? So, I know he's lying. The question is, why is he lying? What is he getting? is selling the church out and God and righteousness and truth and our children for thirty pieces of silver. Isn't it not new? So what's happening? But every person every person that calls himself a Christian and is treasonous against God sells out the truth of God to for approval with government or whatever, for money, for whatever. God knows about it. And you will be accountable. Be held accountable. On the day of judgment. There is a day of judgment that's coming. And God will hold you accountable. It's as simple as that. My encouragement to you as the church. And I'm going to close with this. I don't even know how long I've been going here. (laughs) Tom hasn't been saying. My encouragement to you. Every one of you. If you are born... Of the spirit of God. If you are set apart. To serve God. If you are guided and led by the Holy Spirit. If you believe this is the word of God. And this is the only word of God. There is, the revelation of God's word. From Genesis 1. To Revelation 22. All of it. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. For reproof. For correction. For instruction. So that the man of God. Has everything he needs. Perfected in every way. That's Second Timothy chapter 3, 16. All scripture is given of God. So it means it's for you. God gave all scripture for you to guide you. If you believe that and you walk by it, you believe it and you obey it, you are blessed. You are the light and you are the salt. And God's hand is on you. Which means you can make a difference in this nation. You can make a difference in this nation because by virtue of who you are in Christ Jesus, without Jesus Christ and your born again experience, you are nothing. You can't do anything. You're useless. But because you're a Christian, you have great power. You got favor and blessing is upon your life. You don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear what is happening around you because the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of love, power and assignment. Why does God say that? Because you in his hand and nothing can snatch you away from him. But you have power. So stop sitting around and wondering what's happening. And oh my and oh Lord and all that. And stand up and say God I am here for a time such as this. And Lord in your power, your anointing. And by your word I can do great things. So use me Lord. Say, see, the people come to me and I say, what can I do? I said, don't ask me. I'm not the Lord. Ask God. <coughs> you know why? God has created every one of you with a purpose. God's got something for every one of you to do. It's unique to you. Don't ask anybody else. Don't ask a man or a woman. Don't make that mistake. Ask the Lord. Pray and ask God, Lord, what can I do? And then God will show you and direct you. And just be, be a person of faith. If, God, if you feel God is moving you in a direction, don't say, yeah, but I can't pray so well and I can't speak. Don't, don't say those things. Please, don't insult the Lord. There's, you can do everything in the Lord. If God takes you somewhere, he will use you beyond anything you can hope or imagine. I'm, a, I'm an example of that. I had I television pro, two television programs uh, that I produced. For 10 years, I was on TVN and um, Faith Channel. I write submissions to parliament. Apparently, it's so good that the political parties ask for it. My submission on prostitution, why they mustn't legalize prostitution, four political parties ask and the National Prosecuting Authority. Uh, and I write books. I speak. I to all kinds of things. I've got a standard two education. What's that? Grade four. Grade, what grade is that today? Grade four. I left standard two. I never went back to school. Never went to high school. Never studied anything. Yeah, there's not encouragement young people to leave school. <laughs> yeah, look at Pastor Edel, why must I go to school? No. But, I was naughty, ran away, went to Durban, came back, never went to school, never finished my education, never studied anything. But when I sit with lawyers, they think I'm a lawyer. They convince I'm a lawyer when we work on legal things. My son is an advocate of the high court today. He fulfilled that thing that I missed. I took a turn somewhere left where I wasn't supposed to. (laughs) I'll smoke. So lawyers think I'm a lawyer. When I work with journalists, they think I'm a journalist. Even the secular journalists think I'm a journalist because I write. I write articles that is published all over the world as well. Um, When I write submissions to parliament, to government, I make submissions in parliament. And people think I have a political science degree. I've got a journalism degree. I've got a law degree. I have no degrees. You know what I have? I have a degree in Bible. But yeah, but this is the point. The point is that even with my lack of education, formal education, when God called me to step into this arena, I said yes. I didn't say, "But Lord, I I don't have education. I don't." I said yes, and because I said yes. And when I I sit down to write a submission to parliament, for example, on on any legislation, I would pray first and say, Lord, give me. Because, Lord, you know I don't have that. So, God, you give it to me. And you said that if we ask you, you will give us wisdom liberally. And God does. And then it turns out fantastic. See, now, if God can do that for me, how many of you believe that God will do it for you? Yes, he will. I know he will. So it's not your education. Whether you have a lot of education or a little education, it is ir- irrelevant. It's the God you serve. Yeah. And God will open doors for you and he'll take you places you've never been. Just It is incredible what God can do in your life. If you just take the little you have and put it in his hand. My wife and I have been to places. We've been in the White House. We've been in Russia, in Moscow, in the Kremlin. We've been in the Duma. We've been... Just about everywhere. Met presidents, all kinds of people. God placed us there. God, because we said yes to God. And Lord, we're going to be there and we're going to stand and we're going to do and we're going to speak. Even though we're inadequate in ourselves, we know God that with you, with you I can do anything. And God is just like that. Even when they asked me to do TV programs, I first did say, I've, I've never done TV. I don't know how to do TV programs. I wouldn't, know how to, I wouldn't even know where to start. I don't know anything about this. I came and told my wife, so about two days later, I was convicted. It's almost like God said, i got conviction. That's not the right attitude. Don't say no when you have an opportunity. So I went to the guy, went back to the guy, I said, okay, I'm going to start. Can you help me? And I started building and eventually I had a TV studio and was putting out programming on two channels. Up till today. I don't know how I did all of that. But because. When you step out in faith. And, and whatever God burden you have in your heart. And you say Lord. Like for example. I want to go into the education department. I'm so burdened by what is happening there. <clears throat> so God. I don't even know what I'm going to do. But Lord I'm going. Help me. But you must have a burden. You must have something that, that God has. You can feel the Holy Spirit say, go. Do something. Don't question God. Just step out. Trust in Him for the results like I do every day. I trust in God. When we must travel and be in places, we don't have the money. My wife and I, we haven't got the money. We sometimes got no money. And we need, I don't know how much, to go here and be this and be that. And then we pray. And we say, God, we're, just, we're going to put it in your hands. You know why, Lord? Your word says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We believe that, Lord, that you are my provider. We are doing your work, God. You called us to do this. We're doing this to honor you, Father. And we know you will supply our need Always, 100% of the time, God always came through for us. Always. And we always ended up doing what we needed to do. Never one time we say, well, you know what? God let us down. Oh, we really trusted in him and it never, ever, not one single time. God is faithful. He's faithful to his people. He's faithful to his word, most importantly. Every promise. Every promise. The Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. My wife and I have seen that in our lives. We trusted God for things. There's times when God blessed us with things we didn't even pray for. We ask God for certain things, and God will just bless us. You know why? Because He's a good God. He's a magnanimous God. The Bible says He loves to give His children good things. He opens up His hands and He gives us good things because He is this God. Believe Him for it. Trust Him for it. Serve Him. Do greater things for Him. Honor His name. Your life will be much better. I can tell you that just serving God, even when you face challenges, it is so good. It's fulfilling. There's nothing more fulfilling than serving God, doing the will of God. There's nothing that can beat that. No money in the world. Things can't make you happy. Can't fulfill you. You can have the best car. You can have the best house. You can have all kinds of things. It will not fulfill you. won't bring fulfillment. True fulfillment is walking out the destiny of God for your life. To know, Lord, I'm serving you, and I'm pleasing, a life pleasing to you. We can never ever be perfect, doing everything right. We're sinners. We'll always be sinners. We know that. That's why we depend so much on God. Hold his hand. Never let go of his hand, but go. Go wherever you need to go. Don't ever stop. Don't ever falter, thinking it's up to you. Don't ever say, I will fail. You can't fail. Not with the God that's holding you. You can't. He's with you. He's for you. Bible says he's never against you. Trust him the Lord. You are the nation changers. You are the people that will change this nation because you're God's people. That's why. You carry his name. You carry his DNA. His power, his word. You are the changers. Believe it. You're not doing it because you don't believe it. As soon as you come into agreement with God and you believe it. You'll see great things happen in your lives. Amen. Will you stand? I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for who you are. Even as I've been talking this morning, and your people have been listening intently. I know, God, there's been a stirring in every heart sitting here, Father. Every heart. I know that every person sitting here is concerned by what is happening in our nation. What's happening in our schools, with our children. What's happening in our government. Everywhere, God, we just see darkness. We see the enemy destroying, killing, and stealing. But God, you have called us, your church, for a time such as this. You have birthed your church, your ecclesia, the called out ones, And placed us in this nation, in Cape Town, in South Africa for a time such as this. So that we, Lord, can walk out our destiny, your destiny for our lives and for this nation. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, and we declare that South Africa will be a light light to the nations. That South Africa will live and will not die. We pray, Lord God, that your will be done for the nations of South Africa. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. As it is in heaven, may it be done in the earth. I pray for every person here. I pray for every marriage, every family in the name of Jesus. Father God, that you would touch them. That you would stir, begin to stir in people's hearts a desire, Lord, for your word, for your truth. And a desire, Father, for them to be salt and light. To be your representatives in this place, God. To be the salt, to be the light. Wherever they are, God, I pray, Father, you would give them wisdom from above. Godly wisdom, the mind of Christ. That they will bring change wherever they are because of the power of God upon their lives. I pray, God, your protection. Lord, give your angels charge over every person, every marriage, every family. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would provide for every need. Because, Lord, you are our provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. We trust in you, Lord, not in government, not in institutions, not in our salaries. We trust in you, God, that you would provide. And Father, would you guide us? Holy Spirit, guide us. Guide every person here. Get every child here. Lord, give us wisdom beyond our years and our understanding so that wherever we are, we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ wherever you place us. Father, remove all fear. Remove all doubt. <clears throat> remove all anxiety. Remove it from us, God. Because your word says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Remove. Father, negative words that have been spoken over people's lives. We break the hold of that. Oh, Father, we pray that people will focus on your word, your promise. What you have said. About your children, they will focus on that and not the negative. Because you define us, Lord. And we are yours. And you are ours. And you are Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Whether they like it or not, you are Lord. And we declare you, Lord over this church. Lord over this city. Lord, over this nation, South Africa, Lord, over the nations of the earth, we declare and exalt you as Lord. And Father, I pray for the leadership of this church, for Tim and Chave, for their family. God, guide them, use them mightily, the leadership that is around them, Father. Bless them, grow this church, use this church as a light in this area of Bel the Lord. Use them mightily, God. Father, so people will see the light of God and come streaming in here to hear the word of God and, fight and get the transformation, Lord, they need. Thank you, Father God, for this time in your presence. We worship you. We honor you. We glorify you. In the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.